Welcome to the next edition of Red Simia Podcast. Today we will talk about collective action clauses in sovereign bonds. Legal provisions in bond documentation, which allow a supermajority of bondholders to agree to a debt restructuring, which is then legally binding on all holders of the bond. Now, there have been a few podcasts on this subject already. So what we want to do today is to talk about the specific findings of Fred's in-house research project called the CAC Strength Index. We launched the index back in February when we realized there wasn't really a product in the market which would systematically study CACs in depth to highlight any idiosyncrasies or weaknesses that could increase the risk of holdouts in any future debt restructuring. Since the start of the project, we have looked at CACs of 15 sovereigns and the list is growing. Today we will focus on the legal peculiarities of the bonds issued by Pakistan, Ghana, Sri Lanka, among others, as well as share some interesting insights on CACs in selected Sukuk issues. Gozia Sheikh is our legal analyst and the mastermind behind the project. Gozia, could you briefly explain how you put the index together and on what basis you classify CACs as weak or strong? Yes, of course. Thank you, Liana. I think before I get to the index itself, I'll just explain briefly how CACs came about and what the various kinds of CACs are in bond documents. Now, initially in the pre-CAC era, bond issuers required unanimous favorable votes from bondholders to obtain consent for a potential debt management exercise. Now, requiring such a 100% favorable voting obviously leads to a situation where even one bondholder can stall an entire restructuring exercise and delay the restructuring for a distressed sovereign which cannot really afford such delays. After all, there's a cost to every day of delay and every additional day spent in financial distress. That's why CACs came in and provided for majority votes to approve restructuring decisions. To start with, you required individual votes for each bond series, which although is an improvement from unanimous voting, it's not really the ideal situation because you have to repeat the voting exercise for each bond series one by one and deal with individual holdouts for each series. To solve this issue, in 2014, the International Capital Market Association published module forms of what are called enhanced CACs. These CACs allow for aggregation of bond series for the purpose of voting. Within such aggregation mechanisms, you have multiple series aggregation by tooling voting, and then you have the ideal voting mechanism, which is multiple series aggregation with single limb voting. I'll just take a moment to explain these two. Now, multiple series aggregation with two limb voting lets you aggregate bond series and then obtain favorable votes in two stages. One, across the cumulative bond series and second, within each individual series. So while the aggregation does reduce the likelihood of holdouts, it still requires two levels of favorable votes. Now, multiple series aggregation with single <coughs> voting, on the other hand, creates one mega pool of bond series and seeks a single majority voting across all these bond series. This further reduces the risk of holdouts by bondholders. Now, it's based on this classification of CACs that we categorize the strength of sovereign bond document CACs as strong or weak. And just to be clear, since it is the strength of the CAC that we are judging, the strength and weakness is a comment on the smoothness of restructuring decisions from the issuer's perspective, not from the bondholder's perspective. A strong CAC diminishes the possibility of bondholder holdouts 
by allowing for aggregations. While a weak CAC with no option for aggregation increases such possibility of holders. So what we are doing with the CACstrat index is giving you a picture of how a restructuring approval process might go through at a glance. That said, you have to understand that CACs aren't the only criteria affecting the success of a restructuring for a sovereign issuer. You also have factors such as political scenarios, debt policies, and other bond covenants, which also play a role. However, this does not take away from the fact that CACs are useful preliminary indicators of how a potential sovereign debt restructuring might take shape, which is why we at RED are spending so much time studying them. Exactly. And one would assume post ECMA publication, all sovereign bonds would have enhanced CACs. So why need an index like this, right? Yet you have found quite a few examples of bonds issued after 2014 with weak CAC provisions. Yes, I know. It would seem like when you have model clauses right there to just adopt, all sovereigns would adopt them and make their lives easier. But unfortunately, that is not the case. There are still sovereigns like Sri Lanka, for example, which still have weak CAC bonds which were issued after 2014. And not just that, there's also Turkey, which still has bonds like those maturing in 2025 and 2026, which even require unanimous voting. Basically, these Turkish bonds do not have CACs, so to say. So interesting. So I'd like to start with Ghana, not least because the sovereign has set an ambitious goal to finish its negotiations with bondholders by September. So there will be a lot of investor positioning going on behind the scenes right now. Yes, and, and Ghana is actually a great example to discuss CACs. While it does have quite a few strong CACs, it also has its outliers. For instance, it has a bond which matures in 2026, which is a weak CAC bond. Why do we say that it's weak? It's because not only does it not have the option to aggregate, so it is a single series voting bond, but then it has another added layer of having a set quorum for the meeting where the restructuring decision is to be approved. This quorum is persons holding or representing a minimum of two-thirds of the principal amount of the outstanding bonds. So each such layer of requirements increases the likelihood of holdouts, and that's what makes it a weak CAC. Then Ghana also has a bond maturing in 2030. Now this bond stands out with another layer of complexity to restructuring decisions in that this bond is partially guaranteed by the World Bank's International Development Association. Now under the IDA guarantee, Ghana is required to obtain prior permission of the IDA to restructure the bonds. So even before it reaches the stage of obtaining bondholder approval for a restructuring, Ghana has to first go to the IDA and seek its permission to restructure these bonds. Indeed, restructuring those part-guaranteed bonds presents a whole new problem for all involved, not least because they would also have implications for the future of policy-based guarantees. Getting an agreement on commercial terms for, terms for these bonds will arguably be the most challenging part even before it gets to the legal stage. We know that informal talks on this have been going on for months now. So my next question is about Pakistan as the sovereign has both conventional bonds and a sukuk, which could complicate things in any potential debt restructuring, right? Yes, definitely. Now, before I move on to the sukuk, there are actually some really unique cats in Pakistan's conventional bonds themselves. For example, Pakistan has a bond maturing next year in 2024, 
And these bonds require 90% favorable votes from the total votes cast for a restructuring decision to be approved. That's a really high threshold. Such a high threshold might actually incentivize some investors to accumulate a 10% position to get enough leverage in the event that they feel like the proposed terms are just not favorable enough and then seek renegotiation for these. Apart from this 2024 bond, you have a bond which matures in 2026, which is sort of in a black box at the moment in terms of the bond documentation, because the documentation does not define the percentage votes required for passing an extraordinary resolution to approve a restructuring. All that the documentation does is it makes a reference to the definition of extraordinary resolution in the agency agreement entered at the time of the bond issuance. And this agreement is not available in the public domain. These two bonds do form the weak CACs from Pakistan. Now, as if it wasn't enough to have these complicated bonds, as you mentioned, Pakistan also has a sukuk, which matures in 2029. What is a sukuk? A sukuk is a capital raising instrument, which is often considered similar to conventional bonds, but it differs from bonds in that it must comply with rules of Islamic finance, which emanate from Islamic religious law and with Islamic jurisprudence. Over the years, Sukuk documentation has come to mirror that of conventional bonds. So even Sukuk do have CACs today. And Pakistan's Sukuk does in fact have strong enhanced CACs with the option to aggregate even across bond series. However, when you talk of a Sukuk restructuring, for now there is no precedent for a Sukuk restructuring by a sovereign issuer. So the nuances and the practical challenges of, a such, of such a restructuring are unknown at present. The only expectation, though, that we can hold at this point is that as with any new Sukuk issuance, any restructuring of the Sukuk will also have to comply with the tenets of Islamic religious law and be Sharia compliant. So to continue the discussion on Sukuk, your latest CAC index has in fact focused exclusively on Sukuk issuances by Turkey, Malaysia, Maldives and Saudi Arabia. Could you share the most interesting takeaways from that analysis? Yes, yes, of course. The latest update actually focused on Sukuk because unlike conventional bonds, there's a very prominent lack of standardization and uniformity arising from regional variations of the interpretation of Sharia principles across Sukuk. So there's no set template for Sukuk documentation. So even CACs in Sukuk are not likely to be the same across jurisdictions, which is why we focused the previous update of the index entirely on Sukuk. Now, for instance, one sovereign which stands out is Malaysia. Now, Malaysia generally is actually at the forefront of the development of Islamic banking and Islamic capital market. However, when you look at the CACs in its Sukuk, they are unique in that they only provide for two-limb voting for aggregation across bond or Sukuk fields. Essentially, leaving out the ideal form of CACs, as I mentioned earlier, from the issuer point of view, being multiple series aggregation with single limb voting. And this single limb voting aggregation mechanism is actually present in many conventional bonds and Sukuk, Sukuk issuances. So Malaysia's Sukuk CACs are in a way one step short of the ideal number of options to aggregate and seek votes for a restructure. Tribute Sukuk of Saudi Arabia and Maldives, for example, have strong CACs with all available options for aggregation. Of those 15 sovereigns whose CACs you've looked at, 
Are there any other examples you can think of that are worth mentioning in terms of weak CAC provisions? Yeah, so apart from sovereigns we've already spoken about, there's also Lebanon, which is an outlier from the rest of the sovereigns on the CAC strength front. So far, it is the only sovereign whose available bond documentation we have reviewed that has all weak CACs with no scope for aggregation, as they all require single series voting. That's effectively 14 reviewed sovereign bonds for just one sovereign with 14 times the likelihood of holdouts. Goise, so we talked about the weaknesses in CACs, but are there sovereigns that stand out to you as having really solid CAC provisions across the board that make any holdout risk negligible? Yes, contrary to all that we've spoken about so far, all is not really that bleak in the CAC universe. You do have sovereigns such as Ukraine, Angola, and Tunisia, whose bonds are on the opposite end of the spectrum than Lebanon and actually have strong CACs with all aggregation options in all of the reviewed sovereign bond documentation. So on the face of it, these sovereigns should have smooth restructurings on at least the CAC front. Got it. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing these valuable insights. Goise's CAC Strength Index is available for Red subscribers and trialists on www.redintelligence.com.